Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. I'm John Borton here with our favorite on usually Monday, but now it's a Tuesday. Tom Crawford out of East Lansing, uh, our Michigan man up there in that bastion of uh, darkness in terms of sports competition. But uh, we know that Tom Crawford brings a lot of light to uh, East Lansing and environs surrounding. Thomas? Welcome back to the podcast. Well, it's great to be back with you, JP. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I, I battle it uh, on Press Pass, for example, our mutual friend Rico Beard, along with Jack Evelyn. We talk spring football, who had the biggest crowds and all that stuff. And is it important to have a big crowd in spring football? So we cover all those little touchy, touchy subjects, recruiting and everything when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State. All right, it's great. Here's before we get into football. Uh, here's a touchy subject for me. You want to talk about a bad and good day within the span of a couple hours this morning? I discovered that my cherished, uh, very pristinely kept issue, 1997 issue of the Wolverine football preview. Charles Woodson on the cover with the mirrored visor and all that. First time we did one like this uh, was ruined. It had uh, it had befallen a uh, a disastrous fate, and I'm thinking, okay, wow, 25 years I'd kept that thing in great shape. But I'll tell you what, the beauty of on three, theWolverine.com. Someone from our uh, website, our our premium message board on the Wolverine on on three, has already stepped up and said, "Hey, look, I'm I'm not a collector, but I kept that issue. If wow. you want it, it's yours." How oh about my! That? Oh my! Well, that's hey, that's part of the family, the Michigan family, and in, at the Wolverine.com, you epitomize that. The passion level is is uncanny. I mean, I. I have Michigan friends up here that, you know, want to go to breakfast with me and, you know, just talk Michigan. That's all. That's our common bond. We don't have any other bond but Michigan. But it's strong enough by itself to have a great friendship just surrounding Michigan athletics. It's truly amazing. It is truly amazing. And uh, a lot of smart people gather to talk all kinds of uh, not only not all kinds of sports, but all kinds of uh, life matters 
that go way beyond sports. So, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you're out there and you haven't taken the plunge yet, go to on three and check out the Wolverine.com. Uh, it's a, it's a special place. So that said, uh, we're talking football as a lot of Michigan fans are these days. They're coming out of spring practice. Jim Harbaugh says, this is a scary, good football team. I, as I mentioned last time to you, I did a, a piece for the uh, issue of the magazine that's just coming out now about seven reasons that the Wolverines can win the Big Ten again, can repeat and do what they did last year. Now, I had a great conversation about this with one Mr. Douglas Skeen. Uh, he, the owner of five Big Ten championship rings, a frequent <laughs> contributor to the Wolverine and the Wolverine.com. And in in general, he agreed with my seven reasons, but he was he he gave me a not so fast on uh, on Michigan repeating for a couple of reasons that I detail in a column in the magazine, and I won't go too far into that. But one was, you know, basically he said, "Hey, the last few years, I don't think it matters where the Michigan State game is played." Because Michigan State seems to have shown uh, a greater understanding of the rivalry and an ability to go into Michigan and win. And two, he says, I mean, it's a show me when you go to Columbus because they haven't won there since 2000. So talk about those two aspects of the coming season and the doubt that that might cast on this whole thing for Tom Crawford. Yeah, those are you know those are two hot topics. Obviously, the the rivals, Michigan State and Ohio State. And I've I've thought a lot about this. I keep I think about the uh, October 29th match in Ann Arbor probably every day. You know, because that is so important uh, for Michigan to win that game. And I think what Michigan has to challenge itself as they did last year, where they they made Ohio State that that that's they got to win that game. I mean, they put such a high premium on preparing for that game. They got to dovetail that over to Michigan State this year. They beat uh, Michigan State's beaten them twice. Um, last year was, I mean, Michigan had that game. They were up 30 to 14. They were throwing the ball. All of a sudden, they stopped throwing the ball and they lost the game. Uh, and their defense wilted late in the game. They have to make amends for that. I'm telling you what, Michigan State has it cooking a little bit. They, there's a little buzz going on up here and it's legit and has to do with recruiting. And I'm concerned about Michigan State. So that has to be a priority. They've got to win that game. It's in Ann Arbor, okay? And then they can go to Ohio State. I'm not saying that's, you know, it's not as important to beat Ohio State. Obviously it is because they need to go undefeated in that game going into Ohio State because they, you know, they don't have, as far as getting the CFP, because they have such a weak non-conference slate all at home against against, uh, you know, non-power fives or group of fives. Um, they've got to beat Michigan State, and and they, they just have to beat Michigan State. I can't I can't emphasize it anymore. They have to beat Michigan State. So if Tom Crawford were suddenly made the czar of beating Michigan State for the uh, University of Michigan football team, what aspects would you stress uh, both physically and psychologically to make sure you get that done at home. Well, let's start psychologically. Get psychotic about this game. I mean, you got to be thinking about what do I got to do today 
to beat Michigan State. That's just it. That's the bottom line. And and Skeen's right about you know Michigan State's indifference to going into the big house. I mean that we've we've seen that multiple times, way too many times. We saw it in fifteen. We saw it in seventeen. We saw it in twenty. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that Michigan that they should be doing to Michigan State like they did in nineteen when they beat them forty four to ten. That should be the norm. I thought that was a well played game by Michigan. They're prepared for that game, but they have to match that. You know, in 2022. So, um, biggest priority, and they got to, and they got to beat them physically. Michigan State has beaten up Michigan physically way too many times in the last decade plus, and they've got, they just got to beat them up uh, and 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 win the game on the offensive line uh, against their D line uh, in all aspects, psychologically and physically. They've got to get it done on the 29th of October. Through. From the time that Bo Schembechler arrived through when uh, Lloyd Carr was finishing up, the, the Wolverines won three out of every four games in that series. And I think Michigan fans, Michigan rooters, just got used to that and considered a, a Michigan State win over the Wolverines to be an aberration. It might be always a tough game, sure. That it was physical, it was nasty, but but Michigan was going to win three, you know, seventy five percent of the time. Uh, do you think there's too much of that feeling that that may have lingered over and and may have even, I don't know. Certainly, uh, the the current players weren't living in that era, but but uh, I I just not sure what it is that uh, because. Um, you, it, that's a situation where you have all the motivation in the world and you sh- definitely shouldn't take a, uh, a sort of quote unquote, big brother sort of approach to it. Right. And that goes back to obviously 2007 post game, the Mike Hart thing, which was, you know, I understand on that Mark D'Antonio thing, kneeling in at, at, you know, at the middle of the field after D'Antonio with Will Tevin on that interview, after the Appalachian State loss, you know, can we have a moment of silence? I, I, and that's where they were having a moment of silence. So I get that part. But Mike Hart going off on him, and he didn't. And then he, you know, then all of a sudden he and he and D'Antonio are bantering. Uh, D'Antonio acting juvenile. Um, it worked. It galvanized Michigan State. And the, I'm, I hate that little little brother. Little, I've always hated that. I've always hated that. And I've respected the rivalry. I can't stand Michigan State. They are obsessed with Michigan. And I wish Michigan was a little bit obsessed back at them. I mean, everything on every message board at Michigan State, it's all the, the number one preoccupation is how do we beat down Michigan? You know, it's like when they lost in the in the frozen four. I mean, they 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 were all about that. Michigan State hasn't had a winning hockey team in like 11 years, but they're all about that because it was Michigan's demise. So, you know, Michigan having a, you know, having a picture of a fan going like this, you know, that's what they live for. If Michigan had that animosity going back the other direction, this thing could get back to the three out of four. But I'm telling you what, Michigan State's defense is going to shore up this year. They got some athletes. And that 23 class is going to be really good recruiting-wise. So I am concerned. I'm putting Michigan on alert. They better take Michigan State seriously. Seriously, or this is gonna—they're gonna lose three in a row. How's that gonna resonate? 
I mean, that's not going to be good. And then, you know, in, in honesty, John, Michigan State still had impact beating Michigan last year. I know Michigan got in the CFP, but they would have been a number one seed. They wouldn't. They could have been played Cincinnati and it wouldn't have had to play Georgia. Maybe they would have matched up better, you know, in the title game. Maybe Alabama. Who knows what would have happened? You got to take care of business with Michigan State. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, now let's shift the focus to that final game of the season. It's crazy. I was in the building in the snake pit uh, back in 2000 when uh, Drew Henson ran the naked bootleg, danced into the end zone, and put the clincher on a game uh, that I believe it was 38-26 Michigan. A bit of a shootout at that time. We've seen some even bigger scoring games since then, but at that time for Michigan Ohio State that was a that was a high scoring affair now this year obviously you've got a Heisman candidate at quarterback for the Buckeyes you've got talent all over the field still you've seen changes on their defense I think uh, it's still going to get down though to can Michigan control that team with its offensive line to the extent that it did this past season. That's what won that game for Michigan. Its ability to run, control the ball, keep the Buckeyes off the field more than they were used to, and that eventually lopped 20 points off of their scoring average for the season. They put 27 up, but they were scoring 47 a game. You know, that's a great example, the the, uh, 2000 game. I want to give you an even better example than that is when Michigan – was outmanned in the 1996 game against a number two ranked undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes. And Michigan had just come off a humiliating loss at home to Penn State where they had a block punt. You remember that game. They go down to Columbus. Uh, Ty Streets has that little look-in pattern where, the, you know, uh, you know, little, the DB slips and all of a sudden Michigan's back in the game and they won that game 13-9. And how did, they, how did they close that game out? They ran the football. I think it was Chris Howard. Got all these first downs running the ball. Third and four, first down. Third and two, first down. Howard, Howard the ball carrier. Howard, one after. I was down sitting in the stands in that. It was amazing. If Michigan can get back to that kind of, now it was offensive line domination. A great defense, obviously, Marcus Ray and Charles Woodson and many others on that team, setting the tone for the national championship year the following year. That was a, that was a solid team in 96. They had some real stumbles. A real, you know, tough loss. But I'm telling you what, that's how you beat Ohio State. You beat it with a running game when it's third and four, and they know you're going to run, you know you're going to run, and you get the first down. You not only get four, you get six. That's what happened in 96. That's the formula to win in Columbus. There you go. You talked to Rod Payne about that game. He was involved in the center of things in the 95 game when uh, Bianca Batuka ran wild in Michigan Stadium on Ohio State. He was heavily involved in 96 when uh, they did just what you said. Uh, Talked to John Jansen about that game. They know. They were there. and They were involved. And uh, you had Sean Springs was the defensive Yeah, Sean Springs. Yep. Went Ron down. And, and Marcus Ray, who you also referenced, intercepted a pass at the end of that game ran it back a little bit, and then slid right in front of the Ohio State sideline. <laughs> yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it because of him coming from there. But the point is, yeah, you uh, if you control things, 
with your offensive line, if you can run the football, a, a whole lot of good things happen. That doesn't mean that Michigan can't have a passing attack in that game. Uh, you you can't win unless you can throw the ball uh, in these days. And Cade McNamara unleashed a, a long throw that really opened things up last year. Uh, but, boy, the heart of that thing is if you can uh, control things and keep Ohio State's offense off the field. You know, uh, you know, I, and I don't want to get back into this. JJ McCarthy, Cade McNamara, we 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 went through that one last week, okay? <laughs> but I'm saying this. I'll just make this quick statement about it. If Michigan has a running game the way I just described, and they have an offense, I don't with that receiving core that they have, and, and now you have a you know obviously a Darius Clemens, you got a receiver, a freshman who can stretch that defense a little bit more. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Michigan will have, well, can win that football game, whether it's JJ or Kate. It doesn't matter if they can run the football. The reason I kept defaulting over to JJ because Michigan hasn't been able to run the football necessarily, and they've been and they've had to have escapability in a dual threat quarterback. Well, it doesn't matter if they can run the football, and I think potentially they could get to that uh, if everything melts together and merges together on that offensive line. Oh, and I think it should. I mean, you've got three starters returning. The guy you plug in for your uh, six-year center, who is now gone, was a Remington Award finalist. <clears throat> you've got uh, uh, the other guys coming up. You're, you've got some depth there. The guys that have been around are guys that are really fighting, pushing each other. And so I think uh, from what I have personally heard, this offensive line – could be as good or better than last year's. And, of course, last year's won the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in the country. So if they're there, look out. A great offensive line is how you win road games against good teams. Yeah, Without it, you got no shot. You got no so shot. Talk, beyond those two games, talk about um, the threats that you see on this Michigan schedule. Well, the threat I have is the fact that they're not going to get tested before they go to Iowa City. I mean, that, you know, that's kind of a backhanded comment, but I mean, it's true. They won't, they won't, well, when you play Colorado State and Hawaii and, and UConn, you're getting a little fool's gold there. And I, I understand about getting into the rhythm and all that stuff. But besides rhythm, you have to have, you know, you have to have some challenge uh, thrown in there. And so going to Iowa City is, that's the game. I mean, so all of a sudden, Michigan is out there totally exposed. This is what we're going to have, guys, on October 1st. Where This is what we're going to be because you're in the bull ring at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, it's going to be loud. You're going to have to run the ball. And uh, for the first time, they're going to be tested. So that's obviously the huge game. I think the Penn State-Michigan State game games at home are going to be tough. And I even think in a kind of a – Dicey way with the the younger Tua, you know, uh, Tua's little brother, the quarterback at uh, at Maryland. I think that Maryland game could be, well, maybe not. But, I mean, it, it poses a little threat, maybe a little threat there uh, of getting caught looking ahead to Iowa. Let, let's call that a, a sandwich game between the three cupcake non-conference games and Iowa. you got Maryland sitting there at the big house. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I'm certainly with you on Iowa. And whereas I take a little different view of that early schedule and how it could help them, I agree with you that uh, they will be a little bit exposed and that that will be the toughest 
uh, opponent that they'll have run into by far and in a an extremely tough venue. The one thing about it I like is that Iowa, it's not late in the year. It's not going to be 20 degrees with 30 mile an hour wind gusts and all that. So October 1st, it should be pretty decent weather there. But you will have uh, all those fans in gold and black breathing right down your neck because uh, they're as close to the sidelines as you'll ever see in a college football venue. So that will be a, a very tough one. We've talked a lot about this Michigan offense from the quarterbacks to uh, having two really good running backs back, the offensive line, receivers. The defense is what has to, A, in my mind, get some help from the offense in games like Iowa, those challenge games, but also has to get settled in and grow throughout the course of the year. What are you looking for from that defense in terms of what you'd like to see in the early games that would let you know, okay, they're on the right path? Well, I'd like to see more of a dominant uh, interior on the defense. I mean, which we saw, I think we saw a little bit about that in, in the spring game with Mozzie Smith and uh, Rashawn Benny. I'm trying to think of some other guys that, that got my attention, Chris Jenkins. Um, that I, I would just like to have Michigan have a more physical line. And, and then I'm salivating, you know, that, that interior line down in Miami. Uh, watching what they bring to the table on a defensive line, how disruptive they want they they can be, and that's I want disruption from Michigan's defensive line, not just uh, containment and not you know not giving up big plays. I think they they're going to have to you know for Michigan to get to that next level against good competition, they're going to have to have that disruptive aspect to it, and that's good. that's my main focus right there. I think, uh, and and then linebacker. I mean, I you know I. I, I think I think the the second and third levels are going to be interesting. Obviously, Will Johnson. I'm going to keep an eye on number two there and see how he adjusts. And, and you know, Michigan does have. Speaking back to that road game, I mean, they have some some freshmen on both sides of the line that are going to get their first road game, uh, jumping into the fire, if you will, in, in Iowa City. So how those how the newbies, if you will, on, on that defense adapts uh, to the to that environment is going to be a real test. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I like uh, Junior Colson a lot. And the linebackers oh, yeah. that you mentioned, I think he's going to step up and be a real standout this year. Oh, Rod God. Moore. And Rod Moore missing the spring ball. And, you know, and see if he bounces back from his off, you know, off-season injury. Uh, he, he, he came – number 19 came on strong there. And that guy that guy's a player. No question. Yeah, no doubt. And they've got talent in the defensive backfield. It's just young talent, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to grow that thing as they go along. But uh, the the beauty of that, you were talking about, you want a more physical defensive line across the board, and having them all involved in getting pressure on. The other guy that's exactly like that that says the same things is one Mike Elston, and he's in yeah. charge of getting it done. So uh, I think that's good. He he doesn't. You could tell. Uh, he loves, I mean, he'd, he'd love to have those two guys back uh, rushing <laughs> off the edges for sure. Yeah. yeah. But as he looked at the overall picture, he would like that combined with 
guys in the middle that can uh, not only plug it up for the run, but also uh, be physical, make some penetration, and, and cause some havoc up the middle as well. Yeah, and that's exactly when I remember when we had our podcast prior to the Orange Bowl. I said, you know, you asked the question, I can still remember it. What's going to concern you on George's first possession? And I said, the run, be able to run the ball interior-wise up, up the middle. And now, you know, and that set up some passing, and they hit the tight end and things like that. But I mean, Michigan's inability to stop the, the run uh, between the tackles uh, and getting, you know, great work from it from the three technique, the middle, you know, inside the middle. You know, I mean, that's what I want to see, and that's going to dictate how far this defense is going to go. Um, and, you know, against tough running teams. And so, you know, that's that's why I'm focused totally on that. But you're right. There's a lot of talent at the second and third levels. And, and uh, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, obviously the injury bug has a lot to do with it. But I think there's enough, I think there's enough uh, athletes to get it done at all three levels. You know, one other thing that uh, we haven't talked about a lot that could come into play in that first road game against Iowa down in the uh, snake pit would be the simple fact of having both kickers back. <laughs> I hear you on that. Oh my God. That's huge. Absolutely. And it, it got two of the best. So, uh, you know, Michigan's solid in that. And I, I just think um, I'm excited about, I'm, I'm really excited about 2022. And the reason I'm excited about it is that um we have a different Jim Harbaugh than we did a couple of years ago. I mean, we're happy. We, we saw it at media days in Indy last summer and it's been consistent all the way through. We saw it in the spring game. You know, he's out there having fun. Yeah. He's making penalty calls. He's over, he's overruling things. This is a different Harbaugh. Don't you think, and don't you think that has a positive impact on this program? Oh yeah. I think uh, 2020 and what he experienced, not only team wise, but personally, um, hurt him and motivated him. And not that he wasn't motivated before, but that was the extra back against the wall push. And he came back hard and so did his team. And I think you're still seeing uh, a lot of that. And then they get this taste of beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, making the playoffs. I mean, that is, um, that's just confirmation of what your motivation did, of what your work did, of all that you put into it. And that's why, again, I'm saying that's a major, major reason that Michigan could repeat as the Big Ten champion. Before I let you go, I give you a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most likely that this team can repeat as Big Ten championship uh, this year. What, what number would you put on it at this point? The chances of them, of the higher the number, the more the chances? Yep. Okay. 10 being their best chance to repeat as Big Ten champions. I'd give it a nine. I'd give it a nine. I, I, I truly would. And, and I want to say one more thing. I want to dovetail up one more thing about you, what you just said about Ohio State. The importance of beating Ohio State is absolutely huge. In fact, it negated, I mean, in normal circumstances, when Michigan loses a bowl game, one-sided like that, we're all downtrodden, right? I mean, that there's a there's a there's a negative feel about the program. This was one bowl loss against a great team, the Georgia Bulldogs, in the CFP. They finally got there. The fact they were Big Ten champions and they beat Ohio State still carried momentum-wise this team 
from last year into this next year. And that's why I'm giving him a lot of chances. There's still a positive vibe with the fans and obviously in the football program inside the inside the walls at Schoenbeckler Hall. Absolutely. You could make a very strong argument that uh, Michigan was no worse than the number three team in the nation last year and lost to the eventual national champions. And so, hey, no shame in that season whatsoever. They're motivated. We're going to be talking about it all the way up to it and through it. Tom Crawford, we always uh, love having you on, and we will do this again very soon. I could talk Michigan football with you, John, uh, 365 days a year. Uh, so give me a call anytime. <laughs> okay. Well, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.